ever watch a video online and think, wow, how the hell did they do that? Well, you can now find out on the Subject and Focus podcast with me, Archie. Today, I'll be talking with director and DOP Lolly Combs about a short film she made for Million Youth Media, an online independent youth platform founded by Fully Focused Productions, to give a voice to young minority filmmakers across the globe. We'll dive into how she put her content together, what tricks of the trade she uses while making videos, and the importance of giving a voice to the stories and experiences of people of color. As always, the link to the video will be in the episode description for you to check out. So pull up a chair, put on those headphones, and get comfortable. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with another awesome creative stroke videographer. And if everyone could, you know, take a moment to say hello to Lolly. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone listening. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing, Lolly? Thank you for having me on, Archie. Um, I'm good. I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Um, For anyone who's listening, we are currently at the tail end of January 2021, so we are in the middle of another lockdown in the UK, so I'm currently enjoying another English lockdown, as I'm sure you are too, Lolly. It's a, it's a, it's become a tradition, isn't it? Literally, like you know, number four or five, something like that. It's like twenty seven <laughs> at this rate, you know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On a really quick tangent, I saw someone set this like video around on Twitter yesterday, and it was some guy calling up a sex line, except the woman was talking about, oh yeah, talk about your deepest, darkest, dirtiest fantasy, and he's like, I'm in a pub with my mates having beer. <laughs> it was all about that, like. Oh, imagine like having a few pints and everyone's hugging each other and no one's social distancing and oh, no one's wearing face masks. It's like a sin now, isn't it? It's a sin to not social distance. It's like, oh my God, Mm. I'm committing a crime. Well, um, thank you for coming on. And I'm really, really glad that we were able to get this uh, get this all organized. And it'd be great if you could just sort of tell everyone who's listening who you are and what you're about and what your basic day-to-day is really in terms of your work. Amazing. Um, so I'm Lolly. I am a female DOP. Um, I started off as a photographer, did a bit of videography and now into like cinematography and more in the short film space. Um, so yeah, a journey of almost four years now of just, you know, going on a creative journey and building my skills. Um, so day to day, yeah, I mean, lockdown has definitely cut back a lot of what I would usually do, but um, it's good that, you know, as creatives and, and being someone that can edit, I have been able to get some editing work over this time which I'm grateful for and yeah just you know working on my craft reading you know this time allows me to read and yeah what else do you want me to add on (laughs) well just sort of what kind of content do you work on really I mean obviously what genres you work on that kind of stuff I've had I've had like a little dibble and dabble of everything. I think I've re- I definitely started out doing a lot of like branded content for like small brands and then working with influencers and creating content with them. Um, and then I ended up in the music video space for a little bit of a time. So the whole of 2019, I basically did like music videos. And that was like a great kind of like introduction and breeding ground to like grow my skills um, and work on my craft. And then in and amongst that, I was working on documentaries as well and working on like short narratives as well, which I mainly do a lot of now. Um, so definitely where I'm honing in on cinematography, that's definitely the space that I'm in right now. But yeah, I love like documentaries, na- narrative. Um, yeah, those are mainly the things I love to work on. I do work on a bit of content, like uh, social media content stuff too. Um, but yeah, in terms of where I really want to make sure I'm focusing on is the short film space and eventually like get into TV as well, which would be really cool. What is it about film that attracted it to you? Basically, how did you get involved in the first place? Um, so, yeah, I think my first introduction into DP cinematography was like a few years ago, actually, we did um, Motherland, which is a short film, which yeah, we we actually won a BFI award for, which was amazing. Um, but what it was about that was just the the art of storytelling, and I feel like that's always been embedded in me as a creative anyway, like visual storytelling. 
what is it that you want people, you know, the view the viewers, I was gonna say the watchers, um, but what is it that you want the viewers to watch and learn and take away from what you're creating? I, d I definitely believe that behind every visual is a story or something that you want them to learn about. So yeah, that's always at the forefront of my mind when I'm whenever I'm creating. So yeah, you know, from young, we've watched films, but obviously how we viewed it was different because of the mindset that we had and just being children and just being so focused on what we're seeing. But I'm sure you can attest to this, like being an adult and rewatching some of the films that you watch when you were younger, you see it so differently now because we actually have, we've been out in the world and we know what, you know, what they were trying to tell us. There's always a story that can be found. From what I understand, like you were in the corporate world for a while before you actually got into um, filming in the first place. What made you pick up a camera in the first place? So what actually got me into filming? So I've got actual filmmakers in my family. So I feel like it was something that was just like, as a young person being around my uncles and um, one of them is a really well-known filmmaker in Nigeria. Um, I've had that in my genes, but I just never tapped into it. Um, I think my mum can also attest to say that she knew that I was going to be creative, like just because of what I was really into. I've always had, a, I've always painted like from young to older. Um, and yeah, that was something that was really like nurtured whilst in school. So I've always had that creative seed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like now working in film is, is basically like I've been able to, still be creative but I think it's definitely the tools that you use to be creative so the same mind that I used to pick up a paintbrush and paint something is the same mind that I used to create a story in a film I don't think it changes I don't think it, it differs um, I think it's just about the tool that you're using to tell that story and um, like I said I, I use that same mind when whenever whatever I'm doing you know I've just recently picked up playing an instrument after 15 years you know so that that is another way of just being creative and just always exploring and I think it's important to do that as an artist. What's the actual story though in terms of you getting into filmmaking? Um, so I would say it started from frustration. I was definitely at a point where I had these goals and dreams of like being, you know, like high up in the marketing world. I knew what role I wanted to end up in. And after about, yeah, I think after about three years, I, like things weren't moving. I felt like I was very stagnant. And, upon, you know, adding to that, I was very creatively frustrated as well because there wasn't anything creative that I was able to do you know I just found myself sitting at a desk and just like what typing reading reports um and for me it was just like it was very different to what I'd imagined so I think I would say that I definitely seeked on a quest to suss out what it was that I wanted to do so the turning point and I think this is what you want to hear. <laughs> but the turning point definitely was when I attended an event and I was sitting next to a girl. She had a camera, digital DSLR, a 750D, I think it was. Um, and she was like, oh, can you take these pictures for me? And I was like, I don't even know how to operate this camera, but I'll just go by the settings that she did and take these pictures. And then when I took them and she's like, oh, these are really good. Like, you know, you have an eye, like you have a really good eye for, you know, good angles, et cetera, et cetera. Because before then I just use a typical iPhone, you know, what everyone does, you know, taking pictures on the iPhone. And then, yeah, from then, and I just remember holding the camera and just feeling like a child again, like just really excited. You know, I think there's a feeling that you get when you, you're doing something that you really enjoy or something that really just speaks to your spirit, you know, like on a deeper level, you know, you're reconnecting, something is going on inside, you know, and I, I kind of ran with that. And I remember, I remember going home and was like, I'm gonna buy a camera. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm, you know, I, I definitely like it. You know, I'm going to learn about it. So, yeah, 
first thing I did was actually reached out to uh, a girl that I knew that was a photographer, amazing woman, Jess, I'll, I'll shout her out, Jessie. So she was the only female that I knew at the time that would definitely like give me some sort of like mentoring or show me how this stuff works. So I remember us going out and she brought her camera and she, you know, we practiced shooting and stuff like that. And that was the very first time that I went out and took some pictures. And from then, it's, as they say, the rest is history. And I just, you know, I carried on with that feeling and I grew it and I nurtured it. You know, they always say that you should just kind of throw yourself in the deep end and see what happens. And that's what I did. You know, I did the photography stuff. Then eventually from working with influencers, like I worked with Missy T for a long time and we built our relationship. And, you know, last year we shot a documentary together abroad and, you know, she's actually seen my journey. But yeah, there's a lot of people that, you know, gave me a chance. And I think that's so important. It's like, when you see someone that is really into something and, you know, even you as a creator, go out there and let people know what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to move into filming, go out there and practice it. You know, if you've got a friend that has a song, like just be like, I want to shoot your music video because I'm trying to grow my portfolio. And yeah, that, that was a lot of what I did. I was very proactive in letting people know what I wanted to do. And that's essentially helped me to move and navigate the career that I've got at the moment. So obviously like you've gone and you've done a lot of, like you said before, there's a lot of branded content stuff you've done in the past. You've done a lot of the music video stuff in the past as well. Um, you've basically moved, you know, from genre to genre to genre. And you've also, you know, in the last year or so made an effort to try and sort of expand your network of uh, female creatives in terms of like the uh, Women Create 2 campaign as well. So you've obviously been kind of very busy with busy with all these sort of different things you've done. And then you now sort of started shifted to going into more sort of like slightly longer form content in the sense in the sides of short films. And all I just want to ask really is just in terms of why have you sort of made that shift from going into sort of like, you know, longer content in terms of like the short films? The funniest thing is that people don't know, but Motherland was the very first like project that I did even before I stepped into directing. We shot Motherland late 2018. So the same year I left my job, we shot Motherland. And then it was only like, you know, the following year and coming to end of 2019 and coming into 2020 that we had gained a lot of like success with the film festivals and then obviously won the award last year for it, for BFI. Um, but I was like, okay, cool. I've done all this stuff. Like I had to really think and evaluate like what's working. Like, what is it that people are knowing me for right now? What is my style? And what is it that I see myself creating more of? And that's why I definitely honed in on the short, film kind of stuff and the long form content as you call it the narrative side um because yeah I was like I love the storytelling you know that's definitely within my style um I love just being able to relate to people and um you know featuring people in my content that people can connect with because people relate with people and that's definitely something that I've learned from marketing as well working in advertising you know these are all the fundamental things that you know, come into play. So I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like I had a list and I was like, okay, cool. This is definitely, when I put this list together, it makes sense for me to like move forward with the narrative side of things. So that's, that's where I put my energy. You know, I definitely was like, okay, I've tried everything. Music videos is cool. You know, I shot a music video last, music video last year, but I know that my energy, I definitely want it to sit in the short film space and where I can exercise narrative storytelling. I think on that note, that could probably uh, take us to actually start talking about what happened to Karen. It's a 50 minute short film that you picked for the podcast. It would be great if you could just give us a quick overview of what the film is about. Um, just for anyone who's listening, obviously the link will be in the bio. So you can have a watch of the film there. What Happened to Karen is uh, a film that was directed by Carlos Biles and, and Casa Johnny, 
two amazing male directors. Um, that was their first time directing it. And I was brought on to DOP. Um, so yeah, we, so basically in, in summary, the film is about the encounter of a group of teenagers that live in Brixton and uh, they have an encounter with a white woman, um, a racist white woman. They're just normal everyday school kids that, you know, after school they go to the shop and they meet uh, a woman that, you know, um, basically just stereotypes them as being thieves. Um, and yeah, it's just really horrible. And basically at the end, it just, it shows like the essence of karma. I hope I've done it justice, mm. but yeah. Well, <laughs> that's how that. I see it in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told the story. That's, you know, that's a, that's a lot of like, you know, content there, not just in terms of just what's actually involved in terms of the story, but in terms of the actual sort of like themes behind it. And especially considering this came out in November last year. So that was at the tail end of all the BLM movement that had gone through, basically yes. reached out throughout the whole summer and sort of people becoming more aware of all that. What I'd like to talk about is how you got involved in the first place. Cause um, I know when we first spoke, you had mentioned that you had approached one of the producers directly about getting involved in it. Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, like you said, it was in the heart of like everything that was going on with Black Lives Matter. And um, the story was actually created like because of that. It's actually through a charity called Chips Peace Organization. So there's a part of the company that they mentor young children. And yeah, during that summer in the Brixton kind of area, um, they had been mentoring these young children and the children decided to actually, that they wanted to make a film. So that's where the process began and they came up with a topic about racial profiling and stuff like that. Um, and these are like 13, 14 year old kids, so young, but you know, because of the world we live in there, they're actually, I guess they've experienced those situations, you know, as, as young as they are, they've experienced things like that being you know children that are you know black children or people uh children of color sorry um so yeah that's how that started and then basically I got a whatsapp message in a group that I'm in um and they were saying that they were looking for someone to film to make the film with them so I just went ahead and I whatsapped her and I said yeah just seen this um very interested to hear more I'm very um yeah, I'm very mindful of what I work on and like what the topics are. I don't just work on anything. So I definitely wanted to hear more about what the story was about. So in the process of doing that, yeah, I heard about it. And I was like, yeah, this is amazing. This is something that I would definitely want to get involved in. Yeah, what was it about the subject that made you think, okay, I want to be a part of it? What sort of caught you? I think for me, it was just the story in itself and coming from the perspective of the children. You know, I, I don't think it's often that we hear about the encounters or the experiences of what children go through when it comes to being, uh, you know, racially profiled or, you know, obviously we hear a lot of stories about being stopped by the police and things, but in terms of actually encountering something with an everyday person, whilst you're just going about your business, is something that I've never heard of. And, and from children that were very young, like these are young 13, 14 year olds that even me, I can't even, it made me think about some of my experiences as a, as a young teenager as well. And I think I definitely connected with that. I think that summer, I think certainly a lot of black creators, I imagine had that sort of sense of reflection to sort of look at everything that was going on and go, from my perspective, is that something that I've dealt with, you know, when I was coming up as a teenager or yeah. when I was just, you know, in my day to day? And is that something that has had a reflection in the kind of art I create? 100%, 100%. And, and that's something that moving forward, I want to be able to tell stories of people of color. I have a big passion you know, for making sure that our voice is heard, you know, whether it's children or grown adults, you know, our stories matter. And I think everyone has very unique experiences that haven't been told or the st those stories haven't been told in film. And I think 
especially in the industry that we're in right now, a lot of the stories are the same, you know, you know, it's the same sort of narrative. And I think, I think we can actually benefit from hearing different types of stories. So you said, that obviously, this came together the post first lockdown last year. So I guess really what would be cool to just sort of find out is like a basic time frame of everything, just in terms of when the crew came together, how the kids got involved, you know, and, you know, sort of what the shoots were like. Um, so the writing process definitely happened before I came on. I remember the first time meeting everybody was like a table read that we did. We started shooting end of August. So yeah, begin, I'd say like first or second week in August, we sat down, did the table read. Got I got to know like a lot of the cast. Obviously, like I said, the cast were part of this um kind of, what can I call it? No, no, just like a summer group. Yeah, so like basically all these kids had come together and they were just like, just, just it was a way for the organisation and the charity to just kind of give the kids something to do during this lockdown, because obviously it's very hard. So yeah, during the summer holidays, that's when all of this was going on. Um, so yeah, the cast was already formed. Oh, we had four like main characters and then we had like probably a few other extra characters, but I think there was about six or seven kids. Um, that were part of the film and yeah the, obviously the team a lot of the team were um, people that were from the charity um, yeah the producer was amazing so she yeah she essentially pulled everyone together and then like I said we had um, Cass and Carlos who were the directors like Cass and Carlos wrote the script as well as well as directing they wrote it so yeah, by the time I came on, we did that. We did the table reads. I think within the next week, we'd started shooting. And um, yeah, in the process, I brought on two of my, like I said, I'm an advocate for female creators. So I brought on two of um, my very uh, good friends who work in film. So one of them is a sound engineer called Root. Um, and the other lady that I brought on was a, a girl called Lauren. So she's part of the, she's part of Women Create Two as well, the podcast. Um, but she, she, yeah, she does what I do. So she films. So I brought her on as an assistant um, to come on and assist me with the camera. And yeah, we started shooting. It was a process of five days. Originally, it was meant to be three. But basically something had happened on the estate that we were shooting on. So literally as we were filming, something went down, loads of police, it was serious. So we had to obviously like make up for lost time and yeah, shoot extra days. Um, and yeah, like I always tell people every time you need to be ready for something that's going to happen. Something always happens on set. I, I always say that as well as being a filmmaker, I'm a creative Creative problem solver. That's what I like. <laughs> well, you kind of have to be really when you're doing you something like be, this. You have to be ready for anything. Um, but yeah, you know, and then yeah, whilst you know we were going through the pandemic, but obviously at that point everyone was. That's when they lifted it, so everyone just came out because this was actually my first project since lockdown. So obviously five months of being at home and just yeah not doing anything to now coming out and this is the first project that we did and yeah one of my favorites of last year for sure uh what gear are you using in terms of cameras what was that kind of setup then um in regards to tech um, and the equipment we were using um so i had my a7 III, which we shot on uh, so i was shooting it in 4k and i had my shoulder rig yeah so it was literally just that yeah no 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 like mad setup to be honest yeah it was mainly just my shoulder rig so the a7 III was like the only camera that you had on location yeah literally it was one camera a7 III it was very yeah we, this was a low budget production um and yeah that's what we used and i think it did the job i think it did i think it definitely did the job for what it needed to do yeah it was very much like it was about what I had and what I could use um and then yeah we wanted obviously the sound had to be very clear so I brought Root on to do that. What was it like uh just in general I mean obviously you've got that crew of people but then you have like 
seven kids who quite frankly have probably haven't done any of it before you know what's that experience for you working with basically kids who not only just there who have no experience of it all but you're asking them to act as well what's that experience from your perspective yeah so being a dop and working with the kids was amazing um obviously very like yeah my first experience of working with that many kids and being young like the youngest was 11 years old um and yeah like it was a mixture of being like an older sister and being like obviously being professional and being the DOP and um because yeah it was a very first experience to them so we had to obviously make it as comfortable for them but also realize that okay cool if you want to know how this works on a professional sense we have to give you a taste of that as well and like you know a lot of times it was like there were you know, we had to we had to have like really structured structured days, and it is a lot of just observing and seeing how they are. So when you can tell they're getting a bit restless, okay, cool, we need to have a break. Like you know, we need to take some time out. Um, we had like two lunch breaks. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, on a normal set, you get one, uh, but obviously keeping them in mind and just you know their their attention span as well. But you know, they, they were amazing. I think the benefits of having them as new actors or and and kids that had never done this before was that they were just themselves they were authentic you know um you could tell that obviously that they were reciting their lines but some of them were able to bring through that authenticity more than others but I think as a whole it was the fact that they were really good at just doing the same thing you know um when it came to editing it it was it wasn't as bad because they were actually doing the same things the same kind of hand movements or you know ex- facial expressions it's like they had embedded that into their memory so you know in terms of continuity it wasn't too bad but yeah like I, I just love the authenticity and I think that's that kind of you know we can definitely say that that's what made it do so well when we did put it out online because a lot of people could relate and could connect with that. Um, you know, especially a lot of the young people that watched it. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the future because they're, they're very talented. <laughs> now, it's interesting that you talk about sort of the authenticity of the whole thing. There's about two or three separate sequences of them basically all gathering together in different at different points and basically making a trip to the uh, corner shop. And it's all sort of random chat. And it feels very like this is actually what people talk about. But what I found really interesting about the whole thing is that when you do get to that encounter in the corner shop, which we're going to talk about in a second, you laid down this foundation of them just being kids being teenagers it does feel really really authentic in that kind of way yeah it was so important to do that because again that that's all part of just being able to first of all create that world so that people and people viewing can understand okay this is everyday life of what these teens go through yeah so it was just about creating that authenticity uh, the true reality I think it it had to be so real and it was great that you know the script had a lot of the input from the kids as well as the directors themselves like they listened a lot to the kids and wanted to really give a true um yeah a true representation of what life was like being a kid from that estate you know and and those kids were actually from that Brixton estate um yeah, yeah, even just um, narratively, you know, the beginning was just like, okay, cool, they're coming out of school, they're on the way to the shop, and what are the type of things that they're going to be talking about? Just the fun bits of, like, even after they left the shop, you know, just the fun reality of just chilling after school, you know, and just, I think, you know, just being a kid and being carefree and just living life, like, just being around your friends, and just you know chilling you know like you're just in the park you're not doing anything wrong you're just having fun and and enjoying so yeah it was really important to put that story across and ensure that other kids and people around that age can relate or even if you were older it just gave a sense of nostalgia and just thought oh yeah I remember back in the day chilling with my friends after school 
So the centerpiece of this whole thing is the encounter in this corner shop in the, in the area of Brixton. And you've got these kids going in there, sorry, these teenagers going in there, basically shopping, and they get stopped by this woman who accuses one of them of um, uh, shoplifting. It'd be great to sort of just dig into this in a little bit more detail, just talk about, you know, how long it took to film that specific scene, just get a sense of how you planned it all and put it all together and all the sort of like steps that went into that confrontation. Yeah. Um, so that specific scene was a whole day and it was the hottest day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we was in the corner shop literally yeah, for the whole day filming, I want to say for about four or five hours, maybe. So we had to do this scene where they were entering the shop. And then we had to do the scene of like just B-roll cuts of like Geraldine, who was the amazing actress. Yeah, we had to do some um, B-roll cutaway scenes of her just coming into the shop as well. And the kids just walking around, picking their crisps. And obviously that moment of him finally getting his sensations, we had to make sure we captured that <laughs> very well. Um, so we did quite a few takes, different angles. You know, we even did a shot where we tried to like get it through Basically, we did this shot for ages where we're trying to get it where, like, you get a POV shot of him picking up the crisp. Um, yeah, I think we managed to put a little cut in there. Um, yeah, and then it was a lot of that, and then just doing the encounter itself with the kids and the actor, and then we actually got the shopkeeper to get involved as well and do that scene where they were leaving the shop. So that was a lot to try and get into the whole day, but we managed to do it. The experience of just having Geraldine, who was, yeah, a trained actress, to do this role, first of all, it was very hard for her because, you know, obviously playing a role of someone who's very horrible, you know, she she had to really get, she obviously become come outside of herself, which obviously as an actor you have to do a lot of the time. And I think it was just also getting the kids to to feel comfortable with that as well because you know you don't know how triggering it might be especially with the kids not having done anything professional like this it was just trying to get them into yeah just trying to get them comfortable with her so yeah before they filmed anything she spent a lot of time just like talking to the kids and really getting them to really know that okay cool this woman is a nice woman, but she's just playing someone that's horrible. You know, just trying to like make sure that they were clear on that. And they were, they were. Um, and then obviously just getting them comfortable to know how they wanted to execute their lines, you know, in response to what the character says to them in that scene. And obviously she says a lot of hurtful things. So just getting that and just making sure that they were able to execute that in the most comfortable way. And yeah, I think I think they did really well. I mean, cause yeah, she is very horrible just in terms of the stuff that she says in terms of like, they're all gonna end up in gangs and how the light skinned girl just said like, you know, why are you hanging out with these kids and they're always angry. I mean, it's all very horrible, but what really sort of struck me is sort of, it's the tone. She goes from sort of like zero to a hundred like that. And it's instantly aggressive and it's instantly like, you know, it's so disparaging and I imagine like, it's that tone that she brings to it that I imagine must have been tough for the kids to deal with, especially if you're not an actor. That must have been really hard. I would say it was much harder for her. Mm. I think, yeah, I think the kids were fine. I mean, I remember having conversations with Geraldine and she was, you know, she she found it really hard. Um, and I think, I think that's just natural, do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, having to say those things and... You know, I think after after the take, she would be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Do you know what I mean? Because she felt, just being a nice person, you just feel it, do you know what I mean? But yeah, no, I'd say it was more harder for her. What we would usually do before filming is we would gather around in a circle and just kind of recap or just have like, just talk. As well as it being a film production, it was like a mini therapy as well, because we understood the bigger purpose of the film and what we were trying to convey. And like I said earlier, I was like, to some people that can be very triggering. So, you know, it was important for us to like come together as a group and just like talk, you know, if there was anything that anyone wanted to raise, whether they felt, you know, like on set, 
how did you feel like how do you think it's going like we did a lot of that and just kind of like giving everyone cast and crew the kind of forum to kind of just really speak and express how they're feeling just to let that all it's it's almost like a little bit of like just just so that we can let off any bad energy so that we can go on and like just create something great and like it also built like great working relationships between all of us and that's why I think definitely like ending the production it was so hard there was some tears (laughs) (laughs) because you you build a bond you know you're working on something for like you know almost a week and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god okay it's come to an end now but yeah definitely I definitely built really good working relationships with everyone and that was that was really fun so that takes us towards the end of the actual film itself. And you've got them in the park decompressing. It's like a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you got them in the park decompressing to the point where you actually kind of totally change the narrative up a bit, where you actually have like ostensibly like a mini music video for about like 20, 30 seconds um, with um, M24 song playing over like a slow-mo, which is like a total shift from everything else. And uh, did that come from you? Did that come from the writers or the directors? That was actually Cass's idea. And obviously having a, I think it worked well because having shot music videos, I knew what he wanted. So he was like, yeah, I definitely want a segment of, just like a music video type vibe. And I was like, okay, we have to have this song on it because number one, M24 is from that estate. So it was important to obviously just like pay homage to him being, you know, a well-known rapper that comes from there. And it was actually the song that the kids were actually singing whilst we were filming the slow-mo. So yeah, having that music video segment was great. And I think, that was actually one of my favorite scenes just because that's where they just really was themselves and like literally just like maybe for the half an hour that we shot it they could just do whatever they want they didn't have to say any lines they were just themselves and that's when I think I saw their true characters which was great. How long did it take to um, edit in color grade because you said you did both of those didn't you? So the edit in the color grade I would say it took me about a week it had to be turned over very quickly like literally the day after I'd finally finished we did like a screening to the community which was really cool so a lot of the people that were from that estate came together um they have like this um football pitch that a very key location and we did the screening there they hired a projector and we had like music and food and it was really nice and then, yeah, so we we showed it before it was released online. We showed it to the community, which is such a beautiful experience because, you know, a lot of them that were in the audience were parents of the young kids and, you know, had kids of their own and could really relate to just, you know, what life is like in A-Town, you know, Angel Town itself. <laughs> so the official release was in November 2020. Yeah, it came out on I think it was the 10th of November. So we released it on Million Youth Media. Yeah, Million Youth Media. Um, When you look at it, how do you feel it reflects you as a creative in terms of the way you shoot, in terms of the way you put stuff together? I think when I watch it back, it shows my ability to, to storytell. Obviously, I have to, you know, definitely shout out Cass and Carlos, they wrote the script and they directed it. But as a DOP and in my craft and what I do, my job is essentially to take something that is on paper and to put it into a visual. And yeah, when I watch it back, I think it definitely shows my ability to storytell, to show the character and get give everyone a sense of the characters and you know, showcase their personality in whatever way you can, I think as well. It gives great, yeah, I think it gives you a a great perspective of just the world and like, just like I said earlier about creating that world of where the the key characters sit in and, and, you know, just letting that lead the narrative. So yeah, no, I'm really proud of that piece of work. 
it sounds like it was received really well. So, you know, I guess other people have also responded very well to it. Yeah, 100K for use in a week. Crazy. I, I just, it, even, it even shocks me till now. But again, I feel like the work always does the talking. They enjoyed it. You know, I don't, I don't know how many people replayed it, but, you know, it definitely has replay value. And it tells a story that I think people could connect to. So, yeah, it definitely did its job. When you look back at it now, is there anything that you would change? Yeah, we had some continuity issues in the film. Like when we would reset, you know, so that they could do that scene from the top or from where we was going from. I think it's just keeping that in mind. I think (laughs) because I think I'm learning that, you know, there are actually specific people on set that are there to do that and to look out for those things. Um, But where we had a very small team, you know, um, maybe we we could have focused on that a bit more. So definitely in terms of that aspect, I think definitely taking more time to review each scene and just see how we could shoot it better. Because it, it was very long days and then it was like, I had to come home and prepare for the next day. So there wasn't really a lot of time to really go back and look over footage in between. But yeah, I think... I would have wanted more time to maybe just see, okay, cool. Is there another angle that I could have added or some extra B-roll? All the things that could make it a bit better. What would you say is the biggest thing you accomplished making this? Biggest thing I accomplished? I think the editing process, the post-production side of it was very strenuous. I had about a week to like edit. And then on top of that, I worked with Root to put the sound on it, doing your first narrative and having to match the sounds and then add the music and then do the grade. Like that was my first time editing a narrative short or any sort of short film anyway, that was my first time. And yeah, like I would say that's a big accomplishment for me. And I was like, okay, um, don't know if I'll edit any more shorts because it is a big process. Like editing narrative is is a lot. Um, I have done one more short film since then and edited that. But yeah, it's not something that I say that in the future I would definitely want to do. You know, I leave that, I'll leave that for the editors. That's their job. But yeah, you know, it definitely made me appreciate the the hard work and the time that goes into editing something like that. Um, so yeah, again, I'm I'm thankful that the team trusted me to do that. And just in a few quick words to anyone who's listening, why should they go watch this? I'd say go and watch this because I think it's great in terms of like educational, see, like seeing it from the perspective of, you know, the kids, a, a, a real child's, child's perspective. I don't think there's many uh, films that you would watch that allow you to see that. And I think it just gives you a real kind of sense of what, what kids go through you know and um, getting a true understanding of what it feels like to be racially profiled and having to overcome that and still go about your everyday life you know even though things like that happen out there and you know we really want we're really working hard to make it something that you know it shouldn't be there you know in society today in society today something like this shouldn't be happening anymore you know, all we're trying to do as as Black people is be seen and heard and appreciated. And yeah, definitely, I think the film gives you a good sense of, of yeah, what, what us as people of colour have to go through and how we overcome it and how even at the end, you know, aside from everything that we face, we still come out and we're still good people, you know, so... Go and watch it. It's fun. I think it's very. <laughs> Sorry, I did. I did a little. I did a little. Like, yeah. I did. I think I did that from the heart. But yeah, I think definitely go and watch it. It's entertaining. Um, it's fun. It's a, like a modern day story, and yeah, and just like I said earlier about just perspective, like just seeing it from the eyes of the the kids, and yeah, like the real essence of what it's like to be a kid in Brixton but yeah like you know obviously I can tell you the deep side which I just did 
but then obviously the light-hearted part of it is just like it's a story about kids and what it's like to just be them and and how they deal with it you know if you think about the situation that they went through like they dealt with it very maturely so yeah like yeah go and watch it On that note, what we're going to do is go to a few quick quiet questions, which I ask everyone uh, when it comes to the end of the uh, podcast. The first question is basically, if you were talking to anyone who was an aspiring videographer or photographer or someone who was just even picking up a camera for the uh, first time, what sort of advice would you give them in terms of anyone who's starting off? Anyone starting off, I would definitely say just have fun. I think have fun, experiment, try different things and see what you like. There's no pressure to have to know where you want to be or what it is you want to do at the very beginning. Try whatever it is that you feel like you're led to do and just see how it goes. And when you now figure out like, where it is you want to be then just you know seek out opportunities to do more of that but I don't feel like put pressure on it to be so perfect at the very beginning you know go out there grab your camera and shoot I think you can learn a lot from yes you can read up on things like aperture and shutter speed which is important to do so you can understand the technicalities but I'd say pick up your camera go out there and shoot and experiment and try yeah, see what you come up with. If you had an unlimited budget, what would your dream kit setup be? Um, I'm still, I'm just in the process of learning more about like um, digital cameras, like, um, you know, your reds and your Aries and stuff. But I think from what I've researched so far, I definitely love an Ari Alexa. In terms of the next camera that I would want to definitely buy, it would definitely be like a Sony fs7 but i'm still i'm still very much learning about the yeah those bigger cameras at the moment um i definitely want to get another camera like a second camera i think it's always good because as creators i feel like um it's important to always like, have like behind the scenes and stuff and it's so hard because especially when you're filming the first question that i asked you about advice that you would give to someone who is starting out what advice would you have given to yourself when you started out I kind of like how I started out. I just like was very experimenting. But in terms of what I think I would have changed, I'd definitely say in the lines of self-belief because, yeah, you can come into the industry and you can see what everyone else is doing and you start to maybe compare yourself and think, oh, I want to be there. But I think everything in its timing. So I'd definitely say like, I wish I had more self-belief in in what I was doing. But at the same time, I would also say that self-belief only really comes in experience and like trying things out. So yeah, I, I think I kind of like how I started out, to be honest. I don't know if I'd really change anything. I'd definitely say like be more confident in networking. Okay. If it was anything, yeah. Be more confident, speak up, uh, be more, yeah, like, get networking networking is so important like just getting to know people you know uh connecting with people um but yeah and like apart from that i think I've, i think i really liked how i started out and i have the final question it's a question which has come from my previous interviewee and it is this if you could choose one focal length to shoot on for the rest of your life what would it be and why 35 mil. 35 mil is, yeah, I think that's the sweet spot, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. No, it's just that you said that very fast. I was like, boom, yeah. you didn't even think twice. Boom. I think 35 mil because it's good, because you can get some nice wides. You can you can really, like, experiment with just, like, a tight range of shots. You don't have to worry about it being too wide or, you know, when it starts to get, like, too fisheye do you know what I mean like it's a nice middle ground so yeah I'd say 35 mil I'm gonna stick with that nice (laughs) (laughs) on that note thank you very much for coming on Lolly thank you so much thank you for having me have you got anything coming up any projects or anything planned in terms of work I mean obviously you know we are still in lockdown but have you got anything coming up 
yeah that's the dreaded question isn't it for a creative mm-hmm. <laughs> um i do have a short film that is coming out that i dop'd that should be coming out either february or march so we shot that end of last year in terms of my own stuff i have something that i'm currently working on we're just going to start it off like we're still in very early stages of planning it and writing it uh, so that's going to be a short film so i'm very much just there i'm trying to really use this time to like work on my own projects and the things that i want to make would you mind uh, basically just letting everyone who's listening know where we can find you in terms of your socials? You know, where can we find you online? Yeah, so I have my website, which is www.lollycoms.co.uk. So on there, you can find all my work. You can find out a bit about me, like a little summary of my journey. I also have a platform called Women Create Too, uh, which is a great platform where we basically empower and elevate female creative talent in film. So it's all about empowering emerging artists or emerging female creators. Anyone that wants to get into film, that's the platform where you can come. Yeah, we're on Clubhouse as well. So you can join our group on Clubhouse. Also, my Instagram for my work, my personal work, is Visuals by Lolly Coms. So again, Visuals by Lolly Coms, C-O-M-M-S, on Instagram. And yeah, like, yeah, I'm very active on Instagram. So feel free if you're interested to work. My work is on, some of my work's on there. And you get a real feel of, you know, a bit of extension of what I've talked about on the podcast. You get a real feel of, you know, me as a creative and what I love to do. And yeah, check it out. Connect with me. And yeah. (laughs) I hope everyone does. Uh, You do great work. So yeah, you know, keep on going. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with other people, post about it on your socials, tell your friends and family about it. Hell, even that neighbor you walk past and occasionally say hi to. Or you could just leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Archie Onobu. That's Archie O-N-O-B-U. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.